Have you ever thought about your business in terms of how you can systemize it? The answer is, of course you have, because that's what you do. But actually, when I talked to Alexis Kingsbury in this call that was coming up, we had such a conversation about how when he started in his first business, Spider Gap, he realized there were a couple of things missing. One of which was purpose, the other was processes. He went on and developed that in this business, Spider Gap. And then people asked him, how did you do that? Could you do it for me? And that enabled him to create his second business, Air Manual. And Air Manual is about processes, but it does it in a different way. It helps you reduce the time it takes to run your business. And guess what? It gives you your life back. It helps you run your business for a distance, helps you make it work better. I love this conversation because it goes back to some of my roots about how do you make businesses work smarter? How do I enable entrepreneurs to really step up and do things differently? So as you listen to this call, and we mentioned this at the end, think about what you can take away from it. What are your key learnings? What do you need to take away? And more importantly, what action can you take? One of which might be talking to Alexis about how Air Manual could support your business or how Spider Gap could help you do 360 analysis. But either way, I think you'll find this conversation fascinating. I did, and I'm looking forward to the next one, which we're probably gonna record in March later. So enjoy the show. Welcome, Alexis Kingsbury. Hello, and welcome to the Sparks by Ignium podcast. I'm Phil Rose, your host. And as ever, I'm delighted to welcome a new guest to the Sparks by Ignium podcast. Today, I'm joined by Alexis Kingsbury. Alexis and I had a conversation earlier this year about how he has built and grown and also rescaled a business based on his failure to do it the first time. And we're going to explore some of those views on what got him to where he was and what he's done differently to help this next business grow. Alexis is actually a serial entrepreneur. He's got a number of businesses up his sleeve. And I was delighted to talk to him because actually he talks about processes and how processes can build a business where people often fail. And I think that's one of the key things that I want to pick out of this interview is what is it that Alexis has put into his current businesses and why do other businesses buy from him? Because what he does, what he has helps businesses run smoother. And actually, at the end of the day, he makes management easy. So, Alexis, welcome to the Sparks Vaguely podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm glad to you. I mentioned that serial entrepreneur. Um, every entrepreneur starts a journey at some point. So I'd love to just, where did you start off in life in that entrepreneurship world and what came before it? Yeah, so uh, it's hard for me to pinpoint the uh, exact moment, but I, I remember being probably 11, 12, 13 years old when I was first wanting to start a business um, in some form. And I was just like the idea of building things. And so initially it was creating and selling newsletters and uh, washing cars, sweeping drives. Uh, uh, when I got a bit older, it was then selling headsets and building computers and providing IT support and so on. And uh, even while I was studying management science at university, all with all really with the name of building something bigger than me, and over and over, I failed. <laughs> um, and I think a, a big part of it was that every time things started to go well, I would get busy and mm. unable to scale the business beyond just me. Yeah. And I, uh, it's hard to put my finger on exactly why at that time I didn't realize that I should have been involving other people. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't and couldn't work out what I needed to do. At the scale, and so 
I actually assumed that it was the business model each time. And so I'd set up another business after another business after another business. Um, in retrospect, I think almost any of them could have <laughs> could have worked and grown beyond me, but I didn't have the the skills and knowledge and so on. Yeah. Um, so so I then uh, instead decided I'd become a management consultant <laughs> where I learned uh, how really large businesses work at scale because I was working with companies like Honda and BP and AstraZeneca and UK government and all these amazing companies. And I could see that the way that they were delivering at scale was through people and processes. And so realizing that and, and developing skills in, in process consulting and management consulting, as I did there, uh, was really what gave me a much better foundation when I then left to set up the uh, the businesses uh, that I still own today. Okay, that's interesting. And, and you said there about people and processes, because I think that's one of the key things that we all see. You know, we often see entrepreneurs trying to do it. And the key bit you said there is, you know, you recognize what, some, what it was because you were getting busy and you realized you couldn't scale because you're trying to do it all on your own mm. or through other people. And when we were talking before, you were, you were telling me about a story about um, a salesperson you brought in and how that salesperson didn't work out for various reasons. I wonder if you can just talk about that, because I think this is a, a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs face. And a lot of we see a lot of one man, one person businesses mm. out there where they get to a certain scale and then they scale back. And that scale is typically around about £80,000 turnover. Um, and then they, then they hit a ball and they come back again. I wonder what was it for you about that salesperson that gave you some insight into your management style and what you need to do about it? Yeah, and and I think you're right that um, a lot of business owners kind of get to that that point where you're you're um, unable to grow uh, the revenue line beyond you and you're just busy. And I think uh, sometimes it requires a bit of courage and encouragement and so on. But eventually, most entrepreneurs then go right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to hire someone, whether it's part time, full time, a contractor, whatever. And um, I think the vast majority, I'd pro probably argue it's uh, uh, rounded to 100% of entrepreneurs the first time that they hire or contract or whatever it is, it doesn't go well. And unfortunately, the vast majority take that experience, that getting burned and mm -hmm. decide, OK, I'm not I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a shame because it leads to some of the um, self-talk like, oh, uh, this particular activity, that has to be me. That can't be done by someone else. Or, oh, it would just be better. Um, it'll be done by, it'll be done better or how I want it to be or faster if I just do it myself. Or mm -hmm. it'll take longer to train someone than it that it would to, to do it myself. And I think those are common things that we've probably all said to ourselves at various points. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that sometimes there's a little bit of truth in it. And I think what you have to do is go, but it doesn't have to be the way um, yeah. there. You know, if someone else bought the business yeah. from you, like Elon Musk, how many of you are the activities that you're doing that you think have to be you? Do you think he would be doing day to day? Um, and, and I think as soon as you kind of realize that and realize there has to be a better way than this, you start looking for it. And you can yeah. there are, as we've discovered, there is definitely a much better way of doing it. Um, before we found this approach, we definitely didn't get it right. And as you mentioned, there's an example of the very first salesperson I hired mm -hmm. where we knew that we wanted to bring someone in and we were terrified of getting it wrong. So we decided, right, we'll bring someone in experience who knows sales that can do better, um, better than I can at sales because I was doing all the sales in our uh, first software business. But that wasn't my background. My background mm -hmm. was being a consultant. So I figured, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but someone else will. 
And so we uh, had a lot of candidates to choose from, but chose uh, eventually someone who had done a million pounds in revenue in the previous year okay. and in a similar similar space. And so we thought, this is fantastic. You know, with SpiderGap, our 360 degree feedback tool will accelerate and become, you know, this really well-known tool in the industry and will achieve all of our goals if we just let this person, this, you know, experienced salesperson um, run at it and deliver. And so we gave some kind of high level guidance and information yeah. about the product and all those sorts of things, but then say, right, over to you. And we waited weeks and then months and realized not only were they not going to achieve a million pounds of revenue, but they weren't even going to hit what I had been hitting. And I hadn't even been able to do it full time. Well, And that was really painful because yeah. it was um, frustrating and um uh you know because partly because it's not just that specific test it's the feeling of oh our dreams aren't going to be achieved and we can't see another way through this there wasn't a plan b this was the best talent we could get in terms of sales and so there's a question at the time there's then a question of is this business doomed to fail if this great salesperson can't do it yeah and um and so that was really really painful and the stress of the financial impact and the time and so on meant that, I mean, that really nearly broke myself and my co-founder at the time, right? Wow. Um, you know, it, it definitely impacted our, the relationships uh, that we had with our significant others. Yeah. And um, yeah, there was definitely times when we were thinking, do we need to throw in the towel completely? And sadly had to um, make redundancies um, to be able to even continue existing. Wow. So that was a classic in many ways bad experience of hiring and not because of the you know almost cartoon like natures of hiring of you know i hired someone and they never turned up or i hired someone and they stole all my clients or you know um, i hired someone they were just rubbish we had done in theory a good job of hiring the person and yet we just couldn't work out why the results weren't coming that's interesting so what what was behind that when you looked into it what was behind the issue if you know you thought you'd done it the good process you'd got the right person in there You've made sales in the past. This person had ability. So what was the thing that you identified, if you could find it, to say that was the problem that was existing with that one individual? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that what it really came down to was, or, or how I identified the issue, was that I looked at, well, hang on, what were the results that I was getting? And yeah. so by doing comparison, I was able to see where in the essentially the process if you like or the the time we didn't have it documented where things were going wrong and then when I started to get the salesperson to record their calls Mm -hmm. so that I could then listen back on to them and so on I realized that there were key things that I was doing on my sales calls and in my follow-up that this salesperson wasn't doing and I identified, I think this is making the difference. Like, you know, for example, not asking the right questions around what are the customer's goals and what's what have they tried in the past and and those sorts of things. Which, basic stuff. That, you know, that, that's basic sales at the end of the day, isn't it? So that's it, 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 it is, and particularly now, I think there's more knowledge and guidance on it than there perhaps was 10 years ago when, you know, in this, in this particular case. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the... In some cases, it was more nuanced. It was uh, about making sure that you really dig into the why behind, you know, they say, oh, we want to use, we're interested in SpiderGap because we want to run 360 feedback. Mm -hmm. And I'd be digging into 
you know, what is it about 360 feedback? What's what goals is that supporting rather than just going, oh, okay, great. Um, and equally digging into the, okay, why didn't this tool work for you? And mm. uh, as a result, you know, where does this fit? And so I think, uh, and even then demoing the tool, I think that's probably another specific yeah. area that isn't sales 101 is how do you demonstrate the product that you're selling in a way that really lands with the benefits and the, or, or the goals that the the client has and mm -hmm. so i think when i was looking at that and realizing ah oh, I, I didn't provide like i could have just given the this is how to do it and um and i could have given sales collateral and email templates and all those sorts of things um and even you know pipeline management and and whatever but didn't because I thought, oh, well, I'll give this person an experience thing. And that I think I've learned that lesson a few times through throughout my career as an entrepreneur, which is be very careful um, uh, when you're delegating something that you haven't first proven. I think there's a temptation sometimes to delegate something that you don't like doing and isn't in a good shape. Like, yeah. let's say you're an entrepreneur that really hasn't cracked sales, maybe you haven't really made sales. And so then you think, oh, well, I'll bring in the salesperson, you delegate it but you're not even able to identify what's going mm -hmm. wrong. And I think that was still the case for me. Like, even though I'm saying, oh, I was reviewing the cause, my sales performance hadn't been good enough to be able to really um, draw those conclusions anyway. So I think that's one of the things you have to do is first work out what works yeah. and then make yeah. sure that you document and delegate that rather than make the mistake of either uh, delegating a problem which means you've just got a problem that's now harder to solve because it's further away from you yeah. um uh or um or or solving the problem but they're not effectively handling over the solution over to someone else so i think that was really what we learned and the good news is that then on the next hire uh, which this time we then hired part-time because we we're so scared of making the same mistake and and so on um we then did provide the collateral on the process and so on and we got the results. And interesting, actually, because, you know, when we talk on this podcast, we often talk about businesses and purpose, you know, helping helping those businesses who understand what purpose means, understand that purpose really does drive two things. It drives longer term prosperity. It does good. But you know what it does? It really engages the people mm. in the team. So I wonder, did, did the concept of purpose ever come into that early stage business for purpose, as Spider Gap? Did you ever consider it? Or were you like most entrepreneurs who go into business, they just want to make it work and make money and purpose goes out the window because they're just stri striving to survive? I think in the in the early years, we didn't have that clarity. Yeah. Um, and it, it was really uh, after uh, that bad experience, you know, uh, with um, hiring that salesperson and so yeah. on, that when we then started to get detailed over what guidance and onboarding information do I need to give this new uh salesperson the yeah. the second time round one of the things became well actually one of the things that's really different about the way in which i have my sales conversations is i'm passionate about why we're doing it yeah. um and and that's a that's one of our core values it's our number one core value is focus on impact yeah okay uh, and even defining those values was something that had to happen then at that time because we were then saying okay we need to we need to really onboard people into the organization, be clear on, mm. um, you know, what our values, what our expectations and so on. And so it was, it was around then that we sort of defined them and, and included that. Yeah. And so, you know, when we then started to get clear on, okay, here's the purpose, here's what we care about. And in the case of Spider Gap, it was that we d believe passionately about in 
personal development. We named myself and my co-founder read um, uh, many uh, books on you know, business and so on uh, a year. Uh, I think at one point I was probably doing about one a week. Okay, and um, and in our in our teams, we would always look for people who are also passionate about mm. personal development. Um, but we and we felt that not only is that good for business performance, but actually it's really good for your your health and mental well-being. It supports a feeling of growth. It allows you to um, be regularly identifying and addressing your biggest problems and challenges, and that and that's really freeing. And so we really felt like that's something that we want other employees in organizations big and small to be able yeah. to do and so that's where we saw 360 feedback as being able to sit in is is helping that process of yeah. prioritizing where do you need to focus your personal development and then coming up with a plan to take action yeah. on that and i think you know when you then embed that that why and your purpose around we want we're ultimately helping people be happier and have more fulfilling lives yeah. that helps has certainly helps a sales conversation, but it also attracts and engages a team around a, a bigger purpose than just, you know, can we add another six figures to the revenue line? I, I love that. And I love that, you know, just the purpose, you know, helping people be happy and have more fulfilling lives. What a great purpose. You know, who wouldn't want that? And I think that's great to hear that. But the key bit you put beyond that, I think, is that thing about the values and how values became important. So that one value, focus on impact, starts to drive thing. And I know one thing you mentioned before you've got a number of businesses now but you have a common set of values that, yeah. that runs for both those two businesses what, what just you know this wasn't we're going to talk about here but i wonder how how did you come up with those values because a lot of people um struggle to come up with values in the first place and especially in early stage businesses where they're like well what's the point of values we don't need that we just do the work but you and i know and i, I look at you at the moment because you've still got good to great behind your your <laughs> your book on your bookcase there and uh and it's a book that I recommend to everybody. And over the last 20 or so years, since I first read it, to me, it's got a lot of great stuff in there. So I wonder, how did you elicit the values for your business in the first place? Yeah, so I think the the starting point for us, and I'm not saying, uh, and I'll, I'll loop back to how I would recommend others do it. Yeah. But the starting point for us was asking the people that we were working with at the time. So yeah. contractors, employees, et cetera, and saying, look, we want to set a uh, define a set of values. What do you think we do value? And so I remember at that time that person saying things like, well, personal development, like you're always um, looking for opportunities to improve at both um, uh, ourselves, but the way in which we do things and so on. And so through iteration, that became our fourth core value, which is always look to improve. Yeah, I love um, that. One of the things that uh, the people we work with mentioned was um, around attention to detail. You know, we're really big on making sure that you do things right the first time because we believe, yes, it takes longer initially, but actually in the long term, it saves time. And so we yeah. believe that, you know, sort of smooth is fast rather than uh, rather than uh, making it than rather than just moving fast and breaking things which i believe was a value for for facebook for quite a long time that's interesting yeah yeah um and so you know those were core values that our that our team could just identify when we asked them what do you think we care about um and i think that was that was really helpful mm, i think then it having iterative conversations where you kind of set out okay these are our values and and where you just try and apply them and use them in day to day in the business and use them for recruiting people and use them for performance managing people it becomes clear when you realize ah, we're missing like there's a reason that this team member isn't quite fitting or they're not quite performing 
but I can't let it, you know, I can't quite link it back to one of the, the values that we've defined. That's normally a good sign that you're missing something in your value set. Yeah. Um, and so, for example, for us, one of the ones that became clear was like, oh, it's it's focus on impact. We're really big on what's the why. And we want everyone in the business to understand the why behind what they're doing. And so, you know, when we identified that maybe um, uh, there's a team member that's doing things and is productive, but doesn't doesn't challenge and doesn't think behind it. We're thinking, oh, this this doesn't feel right, and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. They're you know they're being proactive and dependable. They are always looking to improve. They are showing good attention to detail. What's the issue? It's like oh, it's the, they they're not linking it back to the overall why. So they're going yeah. down on a tangent. Oh, well, that's what it is. And so that's how we came up with ours is that kind of iterative yeah. approach, and then and then got to a point where you know we review those um, every. Uh, essentially every three, six months, we, as part of reviewing our, um, you know, one page strategic plan, as it would be yeah. called by scaling up um, yeah. or, uh, you know, VTO from traction or whatever it is like by, you know, values is in there for us to just do a quick check and say, does that need to change? And yeah. in the early days, it changed quite a few times, but hasn't done for a long time now. And I think, um, so it does, it does have to be iterative. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um, the other uh, but I think in terms of the common mistakes that people make when they're setting values, I think that often they set values that are um, more hygiene factors to be a business. You know, they'll say things like we are trustworthy or, um, yeah. you know, we do what we say we'll do and those sorts of things. And I think um, it's good, you know, those are good things to have in your business, but if they don't set you apart from other businesses, then it's kind of meaningless having them there. Yeah, I um, think that's true. I think that's true. I think, you know, I, I often talk about order winning criteria and qualifying criteria. And some of yeah. the initial things you talk about there, they're just qualifying. They just get you in the ring in the first place. Yeah, and, and I think it, it does vary by industry. I think there are some industries where certain values are a differentiator that in other industries wouldn't be. Um, so, for example, you know, we're innovative and always trying to stay ahead of the game if you're working in an industry that is like high tech or high you know high technology or r&d or whatever that's a bit of a no-brainer it's like well of course that's like we we're an innovation house or whatever whereas if you're working in a in an industry that tends to be pretty traditional yeah. um you know uh, for uh, for example in the education space or whatever then you go well actually that's that's pretty unusual yeah. and is going to have some pretty big ramifications in terms of how you operate and who you attract and and who's the right person and I, th- yeah. and I think that's the key is to look at for your industry what are the things that set you apart yeah. from from some of the other um uh, organizations in it so i think it's a, a useful exercise i remember on um uh with paddy my co-founder we discussed this on a, a, an episode of our podcast de-stress your business in which we um talked about specific values and like whether or not they you know do they stack up in any situation and one of them is like honesty where it's like well isn't that always something that you would want to have in any business um and i think i argued that um there are certain certain industries where maybe that isn't perceived as being the norm <laughs> <laughs> and therefore maybe 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 it uh maybe yeah. it does become a differentiator but uh uh yeah rarely i think that's interesting isn't it because right things that we just take for granted sometimes and actually when they stick out there and you actually question them and i think that's the thing about it you know people don't question them um mm. and and the other bit i think that sits behind that you know you talked to her about you know understanding what sets you apart <clears throat> 
values we all know it's the behaviors behind it that really makes the difference so you know when you talk about focus on impact it's what what does that look like how do you catch someone doing it yeah and also what's the negative of that as well because when you can say okay yeah that's what good looks like but hey this is what bad looks like this is what poor performance looks like then you can be really clear about okay we can see what's happening in our business and you mentioned about recruitment when you were recruiting your salesperson mm. right at the beginning um that person you know they had a great capability on record on paper i sold a million last year but actually do they buy into your value do they fit the mold can they demonstrate the behaviors that start driving what you want in your business that's the key but that's where the rubber hits the road in terms of this person is a good cultural fit for us not just a performance fit for us 100 percent. and i think as you say it is about how do those values impact how you actually operate because there's no point in just putting them on a powerpoint slider on a poster and sticking them on the wall and that's it yeah. Um, and I think there's there's a there's a few big ways in which your values have to kind of permeate in, in, into the way you operate. I'd say um, one is uh, how you recruit yeah. and, it's, uh, and how you attract the right people. So I think I believe the values of your organization should be clearly explained in the job advert. I think that people, it's one of the first things that I think that they should be able to see when when looking for that. It's not just about the role, it's about joining the company and therefore that should be visible. Oh, you so, are. And you want people to self-select on it and then you want your recruitment process to assess against it throughout the various stages to make sure that the person really values and demonstrates those values and in the past has demonstrated those values and, and really gets it. So I think that that's, that's one of the first areas. I think the second area is then in how you manage your people I think that um, you alluded to a point there, which is um, catching people doing it. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's you know a big thing um, that we do is make sure that we catch people think doing things right more than we're looking to catch people not doing it. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of you know for, if you take a value like focus on impact, how does that show up? Well, it shows up when I um, talk to a uh, uh, one of our team. For example, if we look at Air Manual, where it's all about helping um, businesses to, to document their processes and onboarding and as a result, free up time, reduce mistakes and so on. But if if I'm talking to one of my consultants and they're saying, oh, yeah, I'm really excited. We're doing this project where we're going to document their marketing processes. What I'm looking for is them explaining the why, because that's not the exciting thing for us because we're focused on impact. Yeah. So what I'm looking for is oh, I'm really excited to work on this project because we're going to document the marketing processes, which means that the business leader is able, is is no longer has to work weekends, yeah. right? Or uh, or means that um, the uh, their current marketing manager is able to go on holiday because they've never been, they've not been on holiday for three years because they're worried about the business falling over if they did. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's those things, it's bringing out that why. And even on our like, daily huddle calls mm. we share um we encourage people to like share wins at the start of those calls and we're not just looking for oh yeah i was really pleased with this piece of work i did it's what's the what's the impact of that result and you can see that how that permeates like yeah. everything you do when you're essentially managing your people against that i love that i love that and what, <laughs> and what that does for me is you know when you're talking about it is you're you're managing it through you say the recruitment and the attraction but actually it becomes part of what you do as well so yeah. you've got that embedded in the company uh, and you said that when you're catching people doing things right, and I think that's the key key premise of it, making sure you're just monitoring it and then looking at that purpose piece. And I love that you said about, you know, helping people articulate what the why behind it as well. Mm. You know, why yes. does the customer want this in their business? Taking time off and they've not done it is all about delegation because they feel comfortable doing that. 
but you're identifying that why. And at the end of the day, from a sales perspective, that's the thing that's going to sell it for people. But actually, yeah. when you're selling it to the people doing the implementation, that's a great thing because they're, they're, they're living their purpose effectively. When you come to that about, you know, helping people, I think that's the key. Mm, I, I love absolutely. That, that story. Tell me about your journey in that case. I think this, this journey, you know, um, when you talked there about uh, what uh, Spider Gap did originally and you realized some issues there, the Spider Gap was not your first business, but it's not your last either. So what came no. after that and how did you get into that next place? Yeah, so the uh, as you say, um, you know, I've had a I've had a variety of business over the years. SpiderGap was the first business that really took off, and we're able to grow a team as a result of implementing some of the things we've uh, we've talked about. Mm. Um, but I, I guess the experience that we had over essentially what we've just talked about about setting up the you know the recruitment and the uh, performance management and so on, and actually the third piece of where those values mm. need to permeate is in your processes. It's the way in which you do the things you do. So for example, um, a good one of the, uh, a good example of the, the focus on impact is that it's common that customers might ask, oh, do you provide X or Y feature? Or can I suggest that you do this? Or it'd be good if it, if you had this. Uh, uh, many businesses and particularly tech businesses, they don't just get captured as, a, oh yeah, they want, you know, this integration or they want this or, you know, want the, it to be blue or whatever. And that gets captured. But because of our focus on why, uh, you know, our, our um, focus on impact uh, yeah. value, we would have it in our processes for the salesperson, for customer success, for the engineering team to first go back to what's the impact that this will have yeah. so that we can uh, prioritize it and so on. And so I think you need it as part of the processes. Like and so yeah. I guess when you bring everything we've talked about before, so my my struggling with um, uh, training and onboarding people, managing people, and then you bring the fact that we kind of overcame those things by um, essentially through processes, through establishing really good recruitment processes, onboarding processes, performance management processes, processes for engineering, sales, everything. That was what we found really enabled us to scale the business and not just grow it, but do so in a low stress way yeah. that freed us up from the business, you know, yeah. to the point that myself and my co-founder are not required day to day or even week to week in, in spider gap. In fact, um, I took a six week road trip across France and Spain last summer. Um, you know, I was able to do that and not needing to work during that period because, uh, of, of having those things in place. So it's, it's not just the benefit of being able to grow, but, but, but do that. And I think it was that experience, um, that led us to, to start the, uh, the, the subsequent software business, which is air manual, yeah, because okay. we, um, we'd get asked by you know peers of mine, other entrepreneurs and business owners. Oh, how you know you? Do, I'm really interested in how you do your recruitment process and get over a thousand candidates and process all of it, and how you've embedded your values as part of it, or how you onboard people so fast and all this sort of stuff. How do I do it? And what we'd realize is I can't give you a really easy answer because we've had to put it together with sellotape and string. You know the tools that are out there were not fit for purpose yeah and yeah. and even the approach that we took was not obvious or um easy to communicate okay. and and so really uh we decided we can do something here and so we created air manual to provide a very easy to use intuitive system for documenting processes and onboarding as interactive checklists that means it's easy for people to create 
the processes and, and take less time to document them than uh, the, than it's going to really free up in, uh, in in the next week or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also that they get used and maintained because most you know most business owners know that they're meant to document and delegate and hand this stuff over you know all the best business books tell you you know e-myth and clockwork and so on like they they tell you to do this stuff but it's often not clear um how to do that in an easy and sustainable way how do you make sure that you don't that after a year or two it's not all gone out of date and the right mess and and a pain to manage and so we've been basically working on what is the approach what is the process of creating this in your business and then making air manual as a tool frictionless to support that so that that. you don't have team members that go oh well i would do that but it takes so long to update i didn't i'll add it as a to-do list and then they forget to do it or whatever so that was kind of why we decided to 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 do air manual but speaking to that greater purpose yeah you know yeah that's the mechanism through which we did it but why why help people do that? Why do we think it matters? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, yes, you know, yes, we free up hundreds of hours of time. Yes, we save tens of thousands of pounds of, uh, through mistakes. Yes, we make onboarding 80% faster and reduce churn and reduce hiring costs and add 20% to your business value and so on. Fantastic. That's actually not our real goal. Our real goal is removing the stress from the business making sure that you're able to take time off, making sure that your team are able to be looked after and yeah. um, uh, and that you're able to uh, avoid disrupting them if they have to take time out of the business because of bereavement or sickness or holiday or whatever, um, because that that's life-changing stuff. Yeah. You know? And, and, and um, we sometimes talk about the ripple effect of what we're doing because okay. – it's not even just the business leader that let's say that you've got a business leader who's working seven days a week, really struggling in the business. And, and many of our customers start off in this position, right? 60 hour weeks, whatever it is. And they're just, they've got, you know, no mental space, no time space to be able to create a greater impact mm-hmm. by, by addressing that, by freeing up 15 hours plus per week, which is something that we, you know, I run a, a webinar on how to like free up 15 yeah. hours a week and remove the stress and so on and it's once you know the approach it's surprisingly simple um but it's uh you know um the key bit is how life-changing that be that can be because if you take that business owner and suddenly they've got 15 hours back yeah. firstly they're less stressed they're um, more nice to be around for their family they're more likely to be building better relationships with their family that means that those people are more likely to uh, uh, be positive with the other people that they meet it means that those that uh, entrepreneurs children are more likely to have better relationships with their own children and all these like the cascade impact yeah. of um of supporting that is huge yeah But then also for the person's team, for that business leader's team in terms of their ability to enjoy their work and what that means for their family. And then you've got the impact that that business can have on people. Like as entrepreneurs, most of us go into business, yes, wanting to build something, create a financial freedom or whatever. But often there's a bigger purpose. There's a thing that we really care about. And you can't have that impact if you're stressed and you haven't got any time. And so that's what, we created air manual to do really at yeah, the heart of it is that. to create that space so you can spend time on what matters most and have a greater impact and I, and I love that in terms of that that thing that's driven you to it because actually what you found when you were looking at spider gap there was some stress in there the things you yeah. learned but actually it, as a result of that you created the processes in your business and someone then said to you 
how can you come and help us? But you realize actually you needed to create a tool to do it. So there's mm. something there about, you know, enabling you personally to gain from it. And obviously using your own manual, you've made yeah. it work. So air manual now is doing what you do. And, you know, I love the fact you managed to take a six week road trip. And uh, I, I was keen to talk about that because I think from a business perspective, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of founders, you know, they have a purpose above, above and beyond making money. And one of them is to spend with their family, possibly, or to do other things in the community or in society. And if they get stuck in their business where they can't do that, they're not releasing their true potential. And I think this is a big thing around, you know, enabling you to remove that stress, but actually freeing up the time. I, I, I was interested I in the, the, the freeing 15 hours a week, because I, when I looked on your website previously about that, that's one thing that first popped up there. You know, come and join you on the web, webinar. And uh, I think I'd recommend anyone to go and look at airmanual.co and actually see what's in there. Because I think there's some great information that people could just learn, yeah. whether you use their manual or not, in terms Agreed. of things. But I'd advise you to go and do it because actually there's so much there. And I think that piece you mentioned is it's life changing when you get this right. Mm. And I think so, so that there's a lot of power into that. So, we, so we're coming towards the end of this here in that case, in terms of this this journey. And you've talked about your your creation of Spider Gap and how that morphs into Air Manual, but you can now run both businesses. You can take time off there. Um, if you're looking back on this, you know when you were. When you were in your consulting business as a as a young consultant eager to go and change the world, um, what was it in there that, that enabled you to step out of that consulting business and say, I want to do it myself? Because, you know, car washing and sweeping driveways as, a, as an 11-year-old, one thing, but actually stepping into that bigger picture world, it's a big step. What was the thing that promoted you or, promoted you or even uh, pushed you to say, I'm going to do it myself? Yeah, I think I seem to remember at the time there were people always around me that could just I don't know why, but people always had this sense that I should just be going off and doing, you know, doing my own thing and doing my own business. So I did have colleagues around me that were just almost expecting that I would at some point. Um, And I think the uh, I probably held back longer than I would have done or or, or whatever. Um, Uh, But if I I guess if I got clearer that I didn't need to come up with the amazing product idea, I think that was one of my concerns. And perhaps the mistake I'd made in my early entrepreneurial career was thinking that the idea was such an important thing, that having this amazing business idea was the key. And I think, you know, you can illustrate that by just saying, can you make money by starting a coffee shop on a high street that already has a coffee shop? Of course you can. Of course you can. It's like, yeah. what's the amazing idea there? There isn't an amazing idea there at its heart. There are things that you can do to create an edge and do all these sorts of things. But biz- like, as it, running a successful business is way more than just having a great idea. Yeah. I think that what matters more and the starting point that's a better one is purpose. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, I can illustrate that with a great example of my, my wonderful seven-year-old daughter said to me just a couple of days ago. <laughs> she said, um, oh, Daddy, I, th- I think I should um, make and sell sandwiches. It's like, that sounds great. And she yeah. says, yeah, we, we'll get a folding table and we'll put it out and we'll make the sandwiches and then we'll take them in the boxes and we'll, and we'll sell them. I said, fantastic. And I thought, right, I've got to temper my coaching enthusiasm. <laughs> so I said, who will we sell them to? Because I'm thinking it's about who and purpose and so on. She says, oh, just anyone. <laughs> and I said, yeah, right, anyone. so and anyone. like, So if a child wants a sandwich, then we said, to, yep. And if a busy adult who wants to is on their way to work for them as well, um, what about a sort of um, perhaps a, a, an elderly hi- a hiker who uh, wants you know to to choose the exact sandwich? And quite quickly, she sort of realizes, hang on, 
this is going to be a nightmare. Like my plan was to make all the sandwiches before I come. And now I've got some customers who want it done in a particular way. And the children wanted their cust the, the crust cut off and so on. And so getting clearer on who you want to help yeah. and why, yeah. you know, is it that you're, is it that you're there for the busy worker and you want to give them a really nice experience? Cause otherwise they're just going to end up with a bog standard sandwich, you know, from, the, the the local corner shop or you know, or pharmacy <laughs> provider yeah, why, do, why do we buy sandwiches there because they're on a meal deal um, there. yeah exactly and so or is it that actually it's for the children and it, you know you want to provide a healthy alternative rather than they, they end up going to the mcdonald's or whatever like getting clear on the why behind it is way more powerful and means that whatever the product needs to be for you to solve that problem and and to really help people you'll pivot whereas i the mistake i made and even in the early days of spider gap we didn't start off spider gap as a 360 feedback uh tool um we had to pivot to get there and that was two painful years until we finally worked out. And if we'd started off with purpose, we'd have got there so much faster. Yeah. So I think that that's the key is um, getting clear on what do you really stand for? What do you care about? Because uh, then when you start looking for people who also care about that, then you you start to get onto a winner. It becomes much easier to build a team and to attract people to you and, and come up with the right product market. I love that. I love it. And, and it's interesting actually, because um, Fern Harness had just rewritten Scaling Up the mm-hmm. mastering the Rockefeller habits it's come out as the fourth edition and yeah, uh, get he, 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 yeah get the next one exactly yeah he's he's he now leads with the concept of purpose so chapter one is all about purpose mm. uh, and that's a big big relief to me because I've been working around purpose for the last 10 years with my coaching and with, with helping business understand what their intent was um so purpose to me is really powerful and that thing for you you've got purpose really nailed there in terms of you know your daughter wants to go and create a trestle table with the sandwiches and sell it to anyone but actually being clear about what's your purpose and then choosing your core market who fit in with that mm. purpose as well, because that's the key thing that drives it for you. Because your daughter can go out and she could sell sandwiches to anybody, but she'll just become like the run of the mill pharmacy that sells the sandwiches, being a bit of everything. But then again, that pharmacy has its purpose as well. It serves the purpose of those who really want the three pound meal deal with the basic things and they walk past it on the way to the station. It's easy. But actually it really comes down to, you know, what do you stand for? Because some people want that and some people want to go to the, bespoke sandwich shop mm-hmm. where they get their bespoke sandwich made and they can chat with the person behind the counter and talk about it and it makes a real difference and i think that's a really thing key thing there about what you stand for but the key yeah. thing you mentioned as well is if you had started with purpose it would have been an easier journey but not many entrepreneurs do that so they get busy busy doing and they create something and then they get time to go look at purpose and say this is what we're all about and, and I have to say, on that journey, when people are starting off, you know, when you start on day one, there's a big excitement about setting up your own business. There's also a bit of frantic energy as well going around with it because day one, excitement. Day two, I've got this big job list to do. Day three, a bit of anxiety because I've got this big job list to do. And in that first stage, we're setting up business with a, with a sense of hope that it's going to work. Hope based on where are we going. And, and I often say people are either, they've either got a cultural purpose or a, or a monetary purpose. Most entrepreneurs, it's monetary. And at some stage on their journey, they then get to a point where they're either making more money than they wanted to or expected to, or they're changing the world. And things have to flip. Because if they're making more money, they've then got to decide, I can go and change the world. Or if they're changing the world, they might then need to think about how do I make more money? But it's then about, you know, how do I bring purpose in and balance purpose Mm -hmm. and prosperity? Because one of the big issues I see for, for clients that we work with is, 
they get confused about what purpose is and they think they need to make more money but actually what they need to do is get clear on their purpose which will help them change the world do you know what they're going to make more money in the long run but it takes time it takes their evolution to go through that and i think that's one of the the key aspects of it completely agree i think that's so wise and uh uh, illus- uh there's a couple of illustrations for that is one is it's actually quite hard to build a business where you're just focused where your main purpose and drive is money particularly given that to fulfill that purpose your ideal is to attract employees who are willing to accept the minimum amount of money so that you can maximize yours yeah and then if you and then if they say well great I'm willing to, you know, who will get paid least or will be willing to pay least? People who work for charities and things like that because there's a greater purpose. And they ask the question, great, what's the greater purpose we want? And you go, make me money. Like, it's not an inspiring cause. It and as a result, you end up having to do the opposite. So yeah. I think that um, you're actually more likely to make money and be successful if you have a greater purpose <laughs> that people can really grow behind. You know, I, I'm a, you know, I would be an advocate of this because this is what we do, but I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, what you've done in Spider-Cap and what you're doing in Air Manual, it sounds to me that you've now established your purpose. You understand who your customer is. And the key bit there is about, you know, enabling people to take that time off, enabling people to de-stress. Because just thinking about what that would do for the human being that you're working with, mm. not just the business owner, it's the person yeah. who's going home and seeing the kids, the family, the dog, the wife, whatever it might be. Um, that's the key bit. It's that bit about how business owner can really say, I've made it work and, and getting time to do it. And to me, that's the, that's the powerful piece. Yeah, I think 100%. And yet, as you say, it's not always the area that the uh, business owner is um, drawn to sorting out first, mm. um, partly because sometimes it feels like the difficult thing, partly because it feels like not the fun thing. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I, I can tell you that the, uh, the conclusion of my the conversation with my seven-year-old about setting up her sandwich business was she decided that when she got home, she was going to uh, create her open and closed sign so that people knew when she was open and closed. Like, and it just reminded me of how many entrepreneurs, business owners do you know that their starting point is, I'll create the business cards like, or I'll create the website or whatever. And it's like, that's not where you need to start. You need to start by having conversations with the people you want to help and really understanding the problem uh, that they've got and how they're currently solving it. And as a result, crafting your solution and working out how you're going to sell it before you decide, right, I now even know what my company Mm. should be called and what our tagline is and what should be on our website. Those things you don't know yet. And yet the most enjoyable thing is, ah, you know what, I'll go onto that business card website and I'll create (laughs) create my logo and add it and so on. Um, But you may as well get the crayons out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and interesting, actually, I've got a book over on my bookcase there, which I've not read for many years, called Step Away from the Crayons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I've not seen Phil Parr for many years, but actually he wrote that book around, you know, that's not what it's about. Step away yeah. from those crayons in the first place. And I think, you know, if I could go back and look at that, I think that's the key thing. You know, when I set up my business, what did I do 15 years ago? I got my business cards done to start with. Should yeah. have gone around town talking to people. But that's the way we do things, I think, in some ways. Um, so, so one thing you mentioned... Um, you said that um, you re- you read a lot. You're a big learner. You know, when I think about the Rockefeller habits in scaling up as a as a as a checklist, one of the key things there is about the the executive team is healthy and aligned. And one of the key elements of that is that the executive team and each member of it regularly engages in education, whatever that education means. Uh, you mentioned you read a book a book a week, or you used to, whether you do or not. Still, um, that's a that's an amazing effort. And I think um, if I look at some of the the tools we use, we're we're part of a better book club. 
um, which is part of scaling up where people log their books and you can all talk about them. But actually, it becomes a bit of a competition to see who's read more than others. Uh, but the point I want to get to is of the books you've read, which would you say you would hold up and say, this is the one that's really helped me transform life or business more than anything else? Now, you've read a lot. So, so where would you go with that? Yeah. And, and I'd say that um, it kind of changed over time. So I'd say that there are some seminal books that have made an absolute fundamental impact at key points in the journey. Yeah. I'd say that um, Scaling Up and Traction were two books that I read around a similar time that were absolutely key for yeah. um, leveling up in terms of how we were organized as a business. And, mm. and I think that really helped. I think that businesses like the uh, books like The Effective Manager and Good to Great and yeah. um, uh, uh, The One Minute Manager were, have been really useful to me to understand um, uh, how to manage people and actually that you don't need to be this incredible people manager. You can yeah. There are some really specific things that you can do um, to make managing easy. And so um, I'd say books around that. Um, yeah. and, and then I think over time, it's it's really depended on what's been the problem. I think, okay. you know, whether it's looking at finances and which case Profit First by Mike McCallowitz has been. Uh, was, motorbike Mike. Yeah, you know, was was at, you know, and so that approach has been really yeah. powerful in the business. But then there's been various books on um, marketing, customer success and, and sales. So I think. Um, you know, one of my favorites would be like um, The Go-Giver uh, by Bob Berg on, on sales. So it's hard. I, I can't pick one, you know, Brian Tracy's Eat That Frog, for example. Like every time I think about a different aspect of my life and um, that I think I've made huge leaps on, there's typically a book behind it, which is probably yeah. a useful lesson in itself. I think the key is getting specific on what's the challenge that you've got right now. And I think that that's often the mistake that a lot of business owners make is it's not about reading a hundred books. It's about identifying the biggest obstacle in your way right now and overcoming that and getting the guidance. And, you know, it might be the case that you need to read three books on that area to help yeah. you find the way through that. And I think, um, that's that's probably it's been most useful for me. Yeah, I like that. Thing also. I, I, I love that. And, you know, I'm glad you said it because most people say my favorite book is this. And I, 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 I'm I, glad you've said that because there's a whole load of books there that if people haven't read those, I think there's some great books in the first place just as that, that list there, actually. Um, so I said earlier we were, we were coming to the end and, and, and then we picked up the pace again. So I'm going to ask you one more question before we end because I think there's, a, there's another thing I've got in there. And the question is, what's next? What's next? Spider Gap? great business that's doing well you've got some great clients there um air manual uh, you you and i haven't you and i haven't talked about the clients you've got there but if you just look on your website you've got some big names in there already as well um so what's next for alexis kinsbury in terms of entrepreneurial journey yeah i think for me it's about spending time on the things i really really enjoy mm -hmm. and i think that um with uh, with Spider Gap, I had a, a great experience and grew the business and so on. And to some extent, had to do every role in the business and document and delegate and hand over. I think with with Air Manual, the way that we've been growing, I've had to do a little bit of that in the very early days. But then, quite quickly, we've we've been able to set up the team. And I think I'm I, I think partly because you know it relates to our conversation on purpose. I found that I really really enjoy talking about this topic. Not because I think I enjoy processes particularly. I think okay. people think of me as a 
process detailed person it's really funny like um the people that know me best know that i'm often not that detailed as a person versus uh, plenty of others in our team um but it, it comes back to the focus on impact it's yeah. you know I, I i was um attending a, a workshop that one of our consultants was running today in which the business owner were um, was working out uh, with his exec team the um, because we obviously talk about it, focus on impact. Like, what's the impact of this particular problem that we're looking to solve around sorting out his processes relating to customer service? Mm. And so the team were identifying, well, even just in people costs and time costs, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds. And then the business owner said, and actually, we've got some big clients that are worth half a million each. And those are at risk based on our current customer service. Yeah. Therefore, total the problem that we're solving here easily becomes worth seven figures plus. Wow. And what I loved is the moment when he said, but actually it's not even that for me. It's the mental health impact. It's the fact that we're all stressed. It's the chaos. It's the fact that I can't take time out the business. And that's the same for the other people on this call. Mm. And that's what I love. What I love is standing in front of a group of people who I know are experiencing that day-to-day -day pain and being able to offer a route through. And it's why I love conversations like this and speaking at events and running workshops and webinars and doing the podcast, you know, doing our de-stress your business podcast and so on. I love all of that because I know the impact and the ripple effect yeah. that impact can have when you're talking about people's relationships and how they spend their time and how happy they are and all those sorts of things. That's what really matters. Yeah. And, and I love that, isn't it? You know, when you say, you know, as a, as a coach in what we do, it's all about impact at the end of the day. I, you know, we want to help people change their lives mm. because that's the key thing. You know, I, I, I often talk about, you know, people come to us as business coaches wanting something. And often they say, I want to make my business more successful or I've got a problem. What they go away thanking us for is giving them their life back. Yeah. And, and I think that's the bit that, that does it for most people when you get that and mm. say, yeah, that's what we're here for. But yeah. nobody recognizes that in the first place. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And so, yeah, so in terms of what next, um, for me personally, it's mm -hmm. getting more opportunities to speak at events and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do TV, radio, all those sorts of things where I can get to talk about this, because I think that although there's been huge steps forward in people talking about things like mental health and, um, and stress and so on, and I think that's great. I think that there isn't enough conversation about for um, for businesses not and for business owners but actually just businesses in general where there are opportunities to reduce stress in the way in which they're run not necessarily you know not through oh yes we should have well-being um, exercises where we you know make sure that people have massage and things like that it's it's how do you change the way in which the business is run to make it less stressful yeah. and so I think opportunities to speak about that and and free up people's time that's that's where I'm going to be uh, yeah. what I'm going to be doing more of I love that. I love that. What an what inspiring purpose at the end of the day. And, and you can do that because you've got a business that enable them to run themselves. Yeah, indeed. That's, yeah. A, that, that's a great point. So look, when, when we started this podcast, you and I talked before about doing two 30-minute episodes. We've, we've talked for a lot longer here because the, the conversation's flowed. And I think it's, it's great. We've talked about all sorts of things about purpose, about de-stressing your business, about the processing, about the journey you've been on. So it's been a fascinating conversation. And I think, you know, if people want to go and look you up, I think, you know, I said earlier, airmanual.co, um, but also you've got spider gap as well spider gap 360 tool um, to help people understand each other a lot better as well mm -hmm. uh, so i think there's something there and, and then where would they find you directly you know you mentioned about events and tv and radio where would they find alexis kingsbury 
Yeah, so um, I think alexiskingsbury.com uh, is, is a great place to start where you can yeah. uh, connect with me on social media and um, learn more about things I'm doing and uh, get information for, for kind of booking me for events and things. Um, I think, um, yeah, as I say, people can connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. where you'd expect. Uh, people can email me at alexis.kingsbury.airmanual.co um, and, uh, and, and connect that way. Um, and also, yeah, I'd love to see people on perhaps on our webinars uh, available at airmanual.co uh, forward slash webinars. Um, and uh, yeah, and also um, love to uh, get people's feedback on some of the things that we're doing, like the De-Stress Your Business podcast yeah. and and this episode. You know, it's yeah. it's always surprising to me that um, you you know you get probably one percent or fewer of uh, of listeners to something like this that actually feel like oh, I can reach out and share, you know, oh, the, here is a key takeaway. Yeah. And so I really encourage people to do that because ultimately that's why we do it. And yeah. um, uh, so that would be the greatest gift that someone give is just, yeah, sharing whether something was useful, what was a key takeaway, how they're applying yeah. it um, okay. is really, really nice to hear. So yeah, yeah reach out. I, I always ask that at the end of the podcast saying, I can't hold people to account, but if you can let me have a key takeaway, no one's done it yet, but hey, if you're listening to this now, Send me and Alexa your key takeaways from this because actually the key thing is to do something with it. And actually what I'd also say is what action are you going to take? Because a lot of people listen to this and they'll listen to it in the car. We're doing nothing with it. To me, there's some great tips in here that you can do something with straight away. So I'd urge you to go and do stuff if you're listening. So, uh, so Alexis Kingsbury, thank you. It's been a great conversation. We said two half an hours. We've almost gone for an hour just talking. So uh, I really appreciate it. We can do another one. I'm, I'm, I'm totally the yeah, we'll come to another one. I think that's a that's a that's a great call in that case. Uh, <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you very much. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I've enjoyed recording it. This is just one of the great conversations I've had the privilege of being part of since I started recording the Sparks Bacon podcast. So please go back and listen to some of the others. There's some great content in there, some great contributors. And also, while you're at it, please leave a review of this show with your comments, because that helps other people like you find this content. And we want to bring about the change that we really know matters to people. It helps us grow. And also think about what actions you want to take, because there's no point just listening passively. We want you to pick it up and do something with it. So what are the three key things you want to do? I can't hold you accountable, but if you want to, drop me a note, phil at igniumconsult.com. We're always keen to listen to what you have to say and actually introduce guests to us that you think will bring relevance to other people. We wish you well. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. Give us a review. Thank you.